listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist guy. I'm a luthier, you know? 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Oh, yeah. Beside me here this evening is my uh, my lovely co-host, yes. Nat. Hi. I'm thrilled every time you say that. Greetings! I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his ex- experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. So what has been going on in the shop lately? Um, well, a lot of pickup rewinds. I had two bulk uh, packages sent to me by two different guys who run shops doing restorations and oh. reselling stuff, and they, they both had big batches of pickups for me to do, so I rewound a whole bunch of pickups this weekend. What kind of pickups? Uh, two of those crazy, like, Valco-made um, lap steel pickups that oh. were famously on, like, Ry Cooter's uh, yeah. guitar. Oh, no. What are those called? Just Valco lap steel pickup, right? Like a Yeah, that giant assembly. What do they call the, it? It's not a horseshoe thing. Yeah, but the strings actually pass through. Um, yeah. A, giant a hole in the Supro? Do they call them Supros? Supro, Supro Valco, same thing. I don't know. Big, big burly deal. Are those terrible? Yeah. Okay. Well, the bobbins are paper, waxed paper. And depending on the model, so I had two different ones. One of them, there's two separate bobbins. So it's actually a humbucker, right? And both of the bobbins, uh, which were paper. Uh, needed to be rewound. But each one only has three pole pieces, so there's a bobbin for the bass strings and a bobbin for the treble oh, strings. Oh, so it's staggered like a P-bass. It's not actually yeah. uh, humbucking reverse phase canceling. Uh, it is, except is that it? only um, this coil only sees these strings and this coil only sees these strings, but they do they do cancel hum because really? they're reverse wound re- oh, and they reverse are. polarity. Yeah. Oh. Which is why they did that, I assume. All right, sheer dumb so, luck. But the other one had six individual coils. They're staggered, you know, off like the like the for each string. Yeah, individual. Each coil string for had each an string. In, individual coil that read one k ohms, and they're wired up in series for a six k ohm total output. So right? you have multiplicative risk. 
in in this thing. Oh yeah, eighteen the, ways to go wrong. Oh yeah, the the possibility for failure here is huge. It's like six factorial or something. Math majors, yeah, call and in, they're, please. They're these little tiny postage stamp paper bobbins. Each one for one bobbin for each string. Like, yeah. why did they design this? Yeah, could just rewind it with, by hand. You had a good point that you know possibly they were buying these little pre-wound bobbins that were maybe made for uh, like s- telephone earpiece yeah, or something. Like a school record player cartridge or something. Because I can't imagine them just designing that, just putting that, putting pen to paper and saying, you know what we should do? Yeah, this is going to be way cool. <laughs> let's, let's make a pickup, except you know how, you know how it only takes a minute to wind a pickup? Right. Yeah. Well, what if we, hear me out. What if we had six individual yeah. coils, one for each string? At least six times more complex. This oh. is going to be awesome. Oh, okay, Bob. Well, is it going to sound better? No. No, <laughs> it's just going to be more work. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. going to take long, and there will be more potential for uh, yeah. f- for failure. Yeah, it, but it's a bullet point for the little hand card. Okay, let's do it. Boy, they sure did. I don't know why. So, But, you know, the, I think that's the earlier model, and then they went to the two-coil. Two of three Two, magnets yeah, or two whatever. coils with three pole, pole, pole pieces, pieces but they're magnets. steel pole pieces the magnets are on the end joined like is that how p90 it, is no okay let's not talk about that i retract the question anyhow there was those and then there was a bunch of harmony pickups that got sent to me at, in a dearmond all i think all dear i mean these gold foils that came off of a harmony were made by dearmond oh, so yeah. i guess they're dearmond pickups yeah yeah so that was fun. I rewound, fun. rewound a bunch of pickups. I know people are interested in those um, kind of off-brand funky pickups, so that's good. Yeah, I guess they are off-brand. You know, it's funny to think of them as off-brand because there's probably more of those. Mm-hmm. There are probably more Harmony pickups right. than there are, you know, Fender pickups. I mean, yeah, Harmony made... Jaguar s- pickups or whatever. Harmony made so many yeah. guitars. Oh, yeah, they shipped some product. They, Those fillers. They've, I've heard it said that Harmony made more guitars than the big names put together. They made more guitars than Fender, yeah. Gibson, Martin put together. Yeah, I could see it. They were just cranking them out. They were. Well, what else have you out. been working on? You did a whole bunch of interesting pickups. Yeah, um, I've been uh, working on some custom guitars. I'm going to have a few... Oh few custom guitars available pretty soon. I just finished the last coat of lacquer. Now they got to age for a while, you know, or age. They have to... Uh, cure. Cure. Yeah, the lacquer has to harden. Yeah. Before I can then go in there with a, with whips and chains and age the finish, right? Yeah, artificially. Is it uh, some of them T-style guitars or... Yep. So let's see, a Sunburst, a Daphne Blue... Oh and a butterscotch T-style guitar that all should be done by the end of the month. Boy, that kind of covers all your bases right there. Sunburst, a beautiful sea mm, is yeah, yeah. green. Yeah. The butterscotch. Man, that's nice. Uh, you, you've you been doing those handles? The, Gib- the Gibson amp that. handles? Yeah. I put them on reverb. Yeah, so if anybody has a Gibson amp with that cool suitcase handle. Or Epiphone or Maestro. Yeah, they a lot of them used those. It's a cool little plastic handle that goes on a metal frame. I started making reproductions of those because you see those amps with the handle broken or handle missing mm-hmm. pretty often. Plastic crumbles or whatever. Yeah. So I started, I I, I made a, I've already talked about this on the podcast, yeah. haven't I? 
But you ha- I made a mold, and now I can cast the handles in resin, and I've put them on reverb. Yeah, so. now they're it, it worked great, and you've got them for sale. I think before, maybe you had a proof of concept or just yeah. I was talking about doing it. They're done, and yeah, it's I've, awesome. And now I can crank them out, and just another thing. Well, good. Uh, somebody that I know makes fun of me saying, "Oh yeah." No market left uncornered, because I'm. I've got. I mean, if you look you, at my, you've done three things. Well, my, <laughs> like I sell. I gathered together all the screws that a vintage Dan Electro would have. Oh, that's right. And I have a bin full of all these screws, and since I was buying them, I just bought a like a thousand of them. And so, them in a, so I have a, a bag, a huh? continual reverb listing of you know, Dan Electro screws. That's good because they're impossible to find. Like you can't get them from. The main distributors, like All Parts, WD, Stuart McDonald, good luck. They're a different, yeah, they're not like a Gibson or a Fender screw. Um, they have a totally different profile. So, so I compiled all those together. And now, if you need Dan Electro screws, you can order them from me off of Reverb. So people laugh, like, oh, great, you know. Congratulations, you're going to make $8. Well, negative, but it's a public service. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's it brings me joy. It brings me more joy than well, it does you. And you've it restored me... some vintage. It has a lot of value in that kind of stuff. You got your uh, harmonica boxes. Magic That's the other thing. Box. Yeah. So I sell a lot of goofy stuff. Okay, so there's three things, and you're yeah. trying to monetize everything. Cor- I'm cornering right. every market. Every weird, <laughs> yeah. stupid. I have business ideas. I mean, believe me, I could. We could do a whole show about. <laughs> about cockamamie uh, schemes well how about or this legitimate schemes you know i may i'm making one amp handle what about amp vintage amp handle.com or amp amp handle.com mm-hmm. start an amp handle business and make replicated you know fi- find all the different handles or, that go to all the different vintage yeah. amps and cases irreplaceable knobs all kinds of oh yeah i can see it there's businesses to be you know if you want to be in the guitar industry and you can make a website, and you can make a few things. I mean, there people, people would, uh, you know, somebody do that. Somebody go register amphandle.com and then start your own business. Yeah. I wonder if that's already taken, actually. I bet it's not. <sighs> I bet it's not. I'm going to Google it while you tell some kind of joke. Well, let's see. What what else you been working on? I'll tell them. Um, I got nothing. Amphandle.com. The site can't be reached. You know why? Because it doesn't exist. But after this show, it will. Somebody's going to register it. Oh, and it'll be great. The world will have handles again. Can't wait. And then you can be just like me and make $8 every time, (laughs) every time, you know, a couple times a month when somebody uh, needs an amp handle. Pre-tax dollars. (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Should we do some questions here? Oh, you know what? I've got, I've got a better idea. Guitar History Second? I, yes. Yeah, do it. The Guitar History Corner. Mm-hmm, the Guitar History Corner. I wanted to talk about K guitars. Oh, man. I got one, don't I? Yeah. Almost. You've got a K bass, too. Oh, I got a real nice K bass. I've got a few K guitars. I love K. Um, people get confused, and rightfully so, because it is confusing. You've got the... Chicago manufacturers, Harmony and K, right? Mm-hmm. And they both kind of look similar. They both have, um, yes, they, they they just they have like a very similar uh, 
build aesthetic or yeah. th- there's this kind of modesty to them compared to maybe a fancier yeah and a little bit of like chunkiness yep. and yep and weird glue push little, out uh, you know uh, uh, the braces what do you call that it's very pragmatic in some ways mm-hmm. some of them are beautiful but but the way that they're finished and the like the aesthetic of them and yep. the pick guards and you know they're very similar yep. like so it can be confusing and people often wonder is like Aren't they the same company? Are they the same company? Are they the same as the, you know, but then you'll have like Harmony and K later got sold off. And so, and these names got put onto Japanese guitars. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see those and it further confuses things. So K was its own company founded in the 1890s. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. But they didn't start using the name K until uh, the 30s. Uh, before that, it was something like uh, the Groschel Mandolin Company. Yeah. So they were making mandolins. I think they sold those for a while. I mean, the, they sold well, and I think they may have been sold door-to-door, like Fuller yeah. Brush Man. And then a guy named Henry K, in in quotes, K-A-Y, hmm. Henry K. Kermeyer, uh uh, he was the uh, the president of the company, and he started the K line of instruments, right? Oh. And they were best known for their just huge production of kind of student-grade and budget instruments. Yeah. Uh, but they also built higher-quality s- stuff that was used, you know, used by professionals. I mean, Barney Kessel. Yeah, that was a cool guitar, too. Yeah, he, Barney Kessel had a uh, a signature model. And they sold under a lot of different other brand names, uh, like Silvertone for Sears. And that's oh. that's that's where it further gets confusing because you'll see Silvertones and you'll go, well, this this looks like a Harmony or this looks like a K. So you know the lines all get blurred because, yep. um, and then they they put things like uh, Airline for that was Montgomery Ward's uh, house brand there. house brand. Silvertone was Sears health house mm-hmm. brand. Supertone before that. Y- yep, that's right. An old craftsman. Do you oh, know what yeah. that was for? With a K, people. That was for Spiegel. So the Spiegel oh, the catalog. Spiegel catalog. So if you ordered a guitar yeah. from Spiegel, it would be <laughs> old made, craftsman. You know, with old a K. craftsman, and it might have been made by Harmony, might have been made by K, might have been made by uh, you know whoever. Huh. Yeah. And they made guitars under the name Rex. R-E-X. For Gretsch. Oh, really? For yeah. like a student line for Gretsch or something. And then they would make... Never heard of They that. made guitars with the custom craft, craft with a K, yeah. right? Like the, like the fake cheese. I, I read something that that was just a trend for select Sa- Ks. Yeah, for St. Louis Music Supply. Okay. True Tone. Guess who's got a True Tone amp? Do you? This guy. And uh, those were Western Auto, that's I think. That's Western Auto. Yeah, which Isn't that is crazy. You know, that was a specialty retail chain of stores that you know they had they had car parts and guitars. Yeah, right. I mean, stuff gorillas, anything. Yeah, you know, like when I bought my first guitar, my dad took me down to State Hardware. Was oh the name yeah, of, name Ron of the store. Pedersen. You, you know the name State Hardware. It was a hardware store. They had like yep. skis and wallpaper. Yeah, and you know toys. Yeah. And I Good bought a, and I bought a guitar there. That's just it was a different time. You could yeah. go to the department store we had and buy a guitar. Stores. You'd park far away in the snow. Yeah. You'd walk with your dad. Oh yeah. Uh, anyhow, the 
there's a here's another one. Here's another brand name they they made guitars under. Pencrest. Have you ever yeah. seen that? Yeah. That's for JC Penny. Oh. I I think it's just fairly junky guitars. Well, I mean, no offense, Kay, but yeah, you know, or a JC Penny. Yeah. Um but the the company changed hands, you know, several times. Um they they were uh they were bought out by a uh, a group of investors in 1955. And then an ex-Harmony employee, Sidney Katz, became president. So not only were they making guitars for some of the same companies, but they had employees going back and forth. Oh, yeah. You know, they're like across town from each other. They're both in Chicago. It's like Silicon Valley stuff. It's uh, good. But he basically, at this point, you know, in in the mid-50s, he took what he learned at Harmony— and brought it to Kay, and he turned Kay into basically another harmony by um, aiming at, uh, you know, budget guitars and mass production, right? Mm-hmm. So by 1964, here's a fun fact. By 1964, Kay had made its two millionth guitar. Dang. Is that insane? Yeah. Probably not that many left. Uh, and then there was like this flurry of corporate buyouts of guitar makers in the mid-60s. Yeah. You know, Fender sold... Uh, mm-hmm. Gibson sold at some man. point. Yeah, so, like Harley so, Davidson sold yeah. to AMF. Um, and K was no exception. Uh, in 1965, Seberg, the vending machine company, mm-hmm. yeah. bought K. Huh. Yeah. And then uh, in 1966, this this Harmony guy, Sidney Katz, resigned. Uh, and uh, Valco bought K. From Seberg. Well, now we there's no way we can keep all this. Straight. I know, isn't it crazy? And you wonder why people get confused. This yeah. incestuous Chicago, yeah. you know, K Valco Harmony. So ah, that was the golden age. For yeah, Chicago so instruments. So Valco bought K, hmm. and then uh, basically took it with them when they folded in '69, and then um, they sold the the name K at auction. I wonder if they're still making basses after then, because I think they did well with the uh, school orchestra instruments. So after the dissolve of K in in the late sixties, Engelhart bought the oh, yeah. the upright bass line. Uh huh. I think I had heard that. Yeah. And, the, and we're talking double bass, upright bass, right? Bass fiddle. Yeah, upright bass. They bought the upright bass line, and uh, they still make the same instrument line today. So they make one called the ES the ES nine Swingmaster bass, and that's form you know formerly the K Swingmaster S nine Swingmaster really early yeah, and they're they're manufactured in Elk Grove Village Illinois so probably same place yeah I mean I don't All know these years I don't know I have no idea but um that's a link to the past and I love it I know it's kind of neat yep. so yeah that's K guitars a little bit of history for you they still are making um. You know, so after it folded in, after Valco folded and took K with it, uh, the uh, the assets were sold at auction, right? And um, I was just reading about this. Oh, yeah. Weiss Musical Instruments bought the rights to the name. And they were a Tysco importer. Uh-huh. They were a Japanese guitar yeah. importer. So they would, they would put the K name on imported Japanese guitars. Yep. So that's why you see Japanese... You know, Tysco's and such with the K name on them. 
So they, yeah. they did that through the 70s, and then uh, AR Enterprises purchased the K trademark and had it in the 80s. I don't think they did much with it. And then uh, now it's, they have, there are manufacturing, they are manufacturing reissues still today, and uh, I don't know who's doing it. Let's see now, if is this... that Jimmy Reed Guitar K? The reissue? No. The, my, like My I'm Thin sure. Twin? Yeah. Yeah, that is a K. Well, there that's a notable one we should have noted. Yeah, the K161. That Jimmy Reed guitar. Thin Twin. That's I have one of those. I I love those. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I bought one of those cuz I had to have one. They're so cool. Um and they've reissued those as well. This article, I'm just reading from Wikipedia a little bit here and there. You know it's true cuz it's because it's yeah. on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's uh, the nice current looking. the current reissue stuff is manufactured by Fritz Brothers Guitars, according to this. So there you go. Long history and you know very storied, as they say. Well, that's kind of interesting. I like I guitar history so. corner. I like it too. It's fun. Let's uh, let's read a few questions, shall we? Why don't I lead off? Uh, oh, oh, wait, hold on. We've got a, a very professional... Uh... Oh, you got to do it. Yeah, hit it. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric. I have a question about filling a fretboard inlay. I recently purchased a cheap Epiphone Flying V and have begun a full makeover on it because why not, I guess? The current fretboard just has one inlay on the 12th fret, a Roman numeral 12. Hmm. That's quite a coincidence. I'd like to do a more classic look and put in dot inlays and was wondering if you had any uh, any thoughts on covering or filling the existing inlays before drilling the new ones. Hmm. I was thinking about using some sawdust from the fretboard and mixing with super glue or epoxy. Uh, not expecting it to be invisible, just not stick out like a sore thumb. Thanks for keeping the podcast going. Cheers, Rylan. Thanks, Rylan. You lost me at cheap Epiphone Flying V. Not me, buddy. Let me see. I was hanging in. Uh, but the 12th fret Roman numeral. I, I, yeah. So nothing else. This is like an Epiphone gothy yeah. or whatever. Bummer. I can see how that would be bothersome and, and ugly. Yeah. Why do they do stuff like that? Well, they're gothy and... They're, they're, they're trying to market guitars to like 13-year-olds or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. But I... To be offensive. I don't go beyond that fifth fret, so I don't know. Well, there's no money up there. I'd be in big trouble. Um, I guess if you really <laughs> if you really wanted to get crazy, you could replace the fingerboard, but why would you do that on on a cheap Epiphone nah. Flying V? Um, you could, if you wanted to get less crazy, but still slightly crazy, uh, you could remove the wood between those two frets and put in a new little section of fingerboard um, oh yeah and then you can and then you can uh, and then drill put dot inlays or whatever you want then route for the dots but just to try to cover that up with super glue is gonna be it's, it's gonna be real ugly man there's just not any way around it it's just gonna yeah, look like it's gonna look like you put super glue and and ebony Bondo. dust over it yeah, yeah. So if if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. You'll probably have to put in. Did he say it's ebony? 
Rosewood? I don't think so. I think it's... No, I'm not seeing it. I think it's just regular. I bet you it's ebony because I think I've seen those. Uh, anyhow, that's probably what I would do if you really twisted my arm and wanted me to do this for you. I would remove the um, that section of the fingerboard the, just be, 12, just between those fret. two frets. Yeah, and twelfth uh, to thirteenth, and then and smooth it out, and then reinstall those two frets and. You know, just try to match the wood grain and everything as much as possible. If it's ebony, it's going to be easy to do because that'll be easy to match. Ebony grain doesn't really, you don't really see it. Not prominent. If it's rosewood, it'll be harder to do. Yep. Okay, thanks, Rylan. Well, that'll be good. Hey, Eric. I just wanted to write in and thank Eric for all the help he has given me personally while I was in Idaho. Oh, this is going to be somebody you know. Oh, this is from Rhett. Rhett's a good guy. There you go. I talked to him on the phone a while ago. Okay, good. This is a, I read through this already. I don't mean to tip you off, but this is a good one. I called several times, and Eric was great about answering my questions. I've since moved to Nash, to the Nashville area and, and started my own repair business called Rhett's Frets, LLC. I know. Isn't that clever? It's dang near nominative I mean, it, destiny. And if your name rhymes with frets, yeah. I mean, come on. You got to do it. I uh, just wanted to say thank you to Eric for his assistance throughout some trying projects that I had. That a boy. That's uh, funny. I don't remember, but um, you know, people call me and they say, "Eric, what, how would how would I do this?" And then I tell them, and as soon as I hang up the phone, that conversation is it does not lodge yeah, into you, any kind of memory bank. You impact the ripple effects going forever from uh, just just isn't that nice saying should have got a different guitar or whatever. Uh, my question is. In regard to heated neck irons, I know that there was a gentleman who used to sell them, but has since passed away. Any insights on where I might be able to find one or build one myself? I hope all is well for you. Rhett Harris. Thanks, Rhett. That is a great segue into this commercial that we will play. Well, is that the case? This guy died? No. So um, he, he hasn't listened to the show apparently for a while. There was a guy named Scott oh. Freelich who made neck heating irons. And you interviewed him, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, oh. like years ago, a couple years ago, and he passed away, and so you can no longer get a neck heating iron from him because he is deceased. Yeah. However, uh, my buddy Rick at Players Gear Music, Rick Tisch, uh, is manufacturing neck heater at neck heating irons okay. and so you can get one from him and we'll play the commercial for it here uh so that's kind of a breakthrough short that there yeah that's the deal is there is now a yeah. source for those so yeah great. there is and we'll play that commercial soon uh but first let's do a couple more questions let's do hey eric i am a capable tech in my area and i am trying to expand my skills I have confined my work to setups, electronics, and fret work, but want to begin to branch out into minor finish repairs and touch-ups. Can you talk us through the steps for doing drop fills and having them blend into the old finish? Is the process different for nitro and poly finishes? I have a couple of my own old guitars to practice on, so I won't risk screwing up someone else's guitar. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. You know, they make really good super glue for drop fill touch touch ups now. Uh my favorite is um ah, see now I can't remember the brand name. Glue Boost. Glue Glue Boost is the uh hmm. the, the name of the company. Um G L U Boost. 
They, oh. they lost the E somewhere. That's cute. Yeah. But they have um, super glue in different viscosities and in different colors. So they have like black and uh, white. Really? And, they've yeah. got a fill and finish. Is that? Yeah. And then they've got um, tints and dyes, I think, that you can add to the super glue to make a match a color. Oh, Anyhow, a, a drop fill is, say you've got a chip on a on the finish of your guitar um, and you just want to do a spot repair on it, you can backfill the chip with super glue and then level it out and polish it and uh, it works pretty well as just a little finish touch-up. Hmm. And it does work on poly as well as nitro. I wouldn't... Uh, you can drop fill with lacquer. You can use lacquer on lacquer, but you can also you can use uh, uh, cyanoacrylate, yeah, glue. super glue. But the trick is you really have to wait longer. So with like with a poly finish, as soon as the glue is cured, you can you can smooth it out and polish it. it. Yeah, but with a lacquer finish, um, whether you do a drop fill with lacquer or whether you do drop fill with uh, super glue. It softens the surrounding lacquer, so if you if if you go trying to level that off and polish it, you end up with like really bad witness lines Ew. around it. So, but the way I do it, you'll drop fill, and then I take a razor blade and I put tape around the edges of the razor blade so that so the corners so are that covered. It, yeah, so that it would glide right over the. You can right. you could you could glide it the provides kind of a standoff. Yeah, a, you could glide the razor blade right across the surface of the guitar, and it's not going to scratch anything. But it's the sharp middle part of the blade is just floating just above the finish. Yeah. So you'll drag that across the drop fill, and get it to where the blade part isn't touching anymore. Mm-hmm. And then with a block and some sandpaper, wet sand it, and then polish it out. Um, there's a little more detailed process and description if you get the book, um, the guitar repair book, uh, that, uh, I think that Dan Erlewine wrote. Guitar Player's Guide? Yeah, Guitar Player's Guide. Let me look it up. Guitar Player's Guide to Guitar Repair. It's real close to that. Is that what it's called? Guitar Player Repair Guide. What's that one over there? Is that yeah. the old one? Yeah, it has a different cover. Oh, that's it's what the I same got. thing. Yeah, this one's three dollars used on some website here. I mean, it's cheap. It's not bad. Yeah, it's cheap, and there's a lot of good information in there. Oh, yeah. Guitar player repair guide by Dan Erlewine uh, goes into this quite a bit about drop fill and and finish touch up stuff. So check that out. But that's basically uh, the gist of it. Thank good. you. Thank you, Adam. Good one. Okay. Hello, Eric. I have a Gretsch G5, well, you'd say G5230T, and I like the blacktop filtertrons that came stock, but I hate the cheap volume and tone pots mm. and switch that are in there for, from the factory. What do you recommend for quality pots and switches that will not kill the tone of these types of pickups? Also, what capacitors would you recommend? Have you ever considered making a custom filter tron type pickup? That's mm. from Aaron. 
E-R-I-N. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, I don't make Filtertron type pickups. Uh, and no, I've never, never really considered it, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't have the parts to make one, but, oh. uh, the, the pots and switches I would recommend, I would use CTS pots and I would use a CRL switch. What's a CRL switch? That's C- the brand? CRL is the brand, stands for Centralab, but I don't yeah. think they ever even, you know, if you just type in CRL switch, you'll find the right thing. If if it's a Gretsch with the cheap switches and pots, you'll probably have to buy USA-style uh, knobs and a switch tip for that because the old oh, yeah. knobs and the old switch tip aren't going to fit the upgraded yeah, because they're pots and switch. Korean or whatever. Yeah, it's metric thread and uh-huh. the the knobs are a, the inside of the knob is a different diameter. But yeah, that's what I would use. CTS pots and CRL switch. And as far as caps go, um just use something that's like you know, a dollar. I mean, to, you don't want to go nuts and buy one of these $50 capacitors. We've talked about that on the show a lot. Yeah. But you don't want the capacitor that's a penny. You don't want the one that's fifty dollars. You want the one that's a buck or two. There you go. You know, like an like an orange drop or whatever you want to put in there. Um, the value of capacitor is going to make more difference than than uh, the make than the brand. Right. You know, but uh, I would Getting just the correct value. Yes. Yeah, I would look at the the uh, look at the pots you have, and it should tell you. It should say like two two fifty k or five hundred k or one meg, and I would order the same rating, same resistance, same yeah. resistance for the pots, and same with the capacitor. It should have a little number on it, and then you should be able to uh, buy a replacement capacitor. It's probably a point zero two two microfarad capacitor. Uh-huh. That's what I'd put in there. Thanks, Aaron. Let's take a little break. We'll be right back. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I I think it I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com they're $7.49 I know that seems like a lot it's it's a tool I tell you what it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over if you go to playersgearmusic.com scroll down on the main page scroll 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 down to where it says fan of the fret files podcast you click that that adds one to your cart and it's 50 bucks off. So instead of 749, it's 699. 699, free shipping and it's yours. 
a neck straightening iron. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out, and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. As you know from listening to the show, I repair and restore guitars. If you go over to ericdaw.com and see information about guitar repair and guitar restoration, you can contact me there. If you've got some guitar restoration or pickup rewinding, anything that you need done, if you want to see the custom guitars that I build, you can go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. There's a whole lot of guitars on there that have been sold, but I also post new arrivals there all the time. They go quick, so check often. The best way to get into the loop is to submit your email address on the uh, on the homepage of that website, and that'll add you to my email list, and you'll get a heads up when there's new guitars available. That's pinupcustomguitars.com and ericdaw.com. And we're back from commercial land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee. Is that right? It's really the finest coffee. Don't forget, I've got a bag of coffee for you before you leave. Yeah, I've got a bag of Apex coffee for you upstairs. Oh, that's nice of you. Oh, it's the greatest stuff. It is you, lovely. You like the Apex oh, yeah. coffee, don't oh, you? Yeah. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee searches the globe. They really do. They search the globe for the best co- coffee beans available, roasting them in-house. Oh, man, that's to, the best way. Yes, to unlock the individual aromas making each cup an individual experience. Check them out online, apexcoffeeroasters.com. You can order coffee online. Use my promo code PINUP. That's P-I-N-U-P. Use my promo code PINUP at checkout to get 10% off. That ain't bad. I know. They have a like a subscription service where you can subscribe and they'll just send you coffee every month. That's your best deal, best bang for the buck. I'm telling you, if you're a coffee snob like i am and you love good coffee you gotta try the best apexcoffeeroasters.com tell them eric from the fret files podcast sent you let's have another uh, question let's shall we do hey eric i have a 90s mij made in japan jaguar i didn't really like the pickups it came with so i managed to pick up some 62 avri i'm gonna guess that's some kind of reissue Jag pickups on eBay as an upgrade. The covers were super white, so I swapped the original covers and installed the pickups. At low volume, it sounds great, but as soon as you turn the amp up to rehearsal level, let alone adding any dirt, I get loads of squealing. Mm. I'm guessing it's due to the pickups being microphonic. Mm. I have heard this is a common problem with Jags, the claw being part of the issue, with, with some suggesting removing the claw. I don't want to do that. Might it ha- might it have to do with me having swapped the covers? I literally wrapped them over. Don't know what that means. Hmm. Maybe swapped. Uh, do I need to secure them somehow? Oh, maybe just set them on top. Do I need to secure them somehow? Can you suggest how I might solve this problem? I really want to use the guitar without fear of squeal. Many thanks, Will. Yeah. Thanks, Will. So when he ordered those pickups, did he have to swap out the claw, or did the claw come with the reissues, and he... What's the claw? The claw, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, we need to acclimate yeah. uh, Nat to the uh, uh, to the world of, of... Why you don't of, make Jaguars, of huh? Jag pickups. Yeah. Um, this is part of the pickup, not part of the bridge? Yeah, so the pickup... I know, it's weird... 
the pickup itself has this little thing that wraps around the bottom and up the sides of the pickup, and oh, it's basically no. like a grounding plate, and it's supposed to cut down on, on the hum. But it probably adds to it quite a bit and adds antenna noise and all kinds of terrible well, things. Well, and it, and it makes, you know, squealing noises if it's not properly <laughs> sure waxed on does. there, right? Yeah, I'm sure it does. But uh, his question has made me think of Dread Zeppelin. You know Dread Zeppelin? Ah, uh, that's pretty mid-'80s, isn't it? It's... They got a song called The Claw. Doing the claw. <laughs> Do it reggae this is, style. This is what you spent your... I'm Do looking it. up... So Dred Zeppelin was, was that, a band. That's a great that answer. Did, well, they did... Uh, this is my answer to your question uh, here, <laughs> Will. Dred Zeppelin was a band that did uh, Led Zeppelin covers in a reggae style with an oh. Elvis uh, impersonator singing... Oh man, they couldn't just do one or the other. They went. Oh, it's the greatest thing. Oh, look, it's the greatest thing. It's like when you were a kid, you listened to Weird Al, and then you eventually you graduated into things like some people did. Yeah, Dread Zeppelin, right? <laughs> um, I mean, you've got it. They're they're so good. They're so much fun. You have to listen to uh, to a little bit of Dread Zeppelin. Is it D R E D? D R E A D. Okay, you know. I, I didn't know if that was some kind of a reggae uh, reference. I'm not. I don't. Yeah, dreadlock. You know, dread zeppelin. Oh. It's an apprehensive fear. Oh So your question made me think of Dred Zeppelin, and well, that's that's all I have. Yeah, the guy can sing, what, but they don't swing. Will, what you need? To, oh, come on, it's great stuff. Yeah. Because I love reggae, I love Led Zeppelin, I love Elvis. Why wouldn't I want it all at the same time? It's Look fabulous. I got a picture of those claws. So that's what it is. Why so, would there be a claw? Well, so wow. So put yourself in the shoes of. Leo Fender. Yeah. They they the best they can. developed the Telecaster, they developed the Stratocaster, and they just thought, well, what next? Now we got to come up with you more have, models. You have you to know? have an iterative improvement on all this nonsense instead of just making the two best guitars. But he didn't realize he had already reached the Apex, yeah, hearkening buddy. back to Apex Coffee, uh, and that, now they're coming back down the other side. Yeah, it's like me at 27. And designing guitars that suck. So. Yeah. <laughs> To be frank. Making, yeah, continually so, disappointing the entire world. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why vintage tellies and strats are worth a lot, and vintage Jaguars and Jazzmasters are worth a fraction of, Meh. still a lot, but yep. a fraction. So, anyhow, Will, now that I've disparaged your guitar, and my apologies, I, well, hope, indirectly. I, hope, I hope the Dread Zeppelin makes up for it. Yeah. Uh, what you need to do is have those wax potted, that's my opinion, they're squealing because something got loose in the swap. The claw got loose, or the, you knocked something loose there with the cover. Um, but I would take the whole assembly, claw, and then everything. So the claw is this kind of clampy thing? Dip it in thing? hot wax. Huh. And no, it, it's, it comes up and over the pickup. 
What in the wide world of sports, Leo? I, yeah, and and I'm pretty sure it's just held on there with with wax. I don't think there's any so kind of. It's not pressure. It's not sp- no sprung metal or whatever. No, Ew. no. So those need to be yep. wax potted. So find a a shop a local potter. to you that'll do it, or you know you could potentially do it yourself. But, but uh, scalding wax and yeah, uh, yeah, 150 degree wax. You got to be careful. All right. Wax, well, wax is flammable, guys. So if you're going to wax pot pickups at home, you really got to watch it because if you get it too hot, it will burst into aerosolize flames. Aerosolize and vaporize yeah. and yeah. exceed the vapor pressure. That could be terrible. So those pickups need to be, to be wax potted. Okay. Thank you. No more fear of squeal. That does tie directly into our next question. What a coincidence. Or Oh, no. It's not about Jazz Masters, is it? Yeah. All right. the, and All right, the, let's and do the it. fear of the squeal. Yeah, steal yourself. We're going to get through this together. Hi, Eric. I recently purchased a J. Mascus Squire Jazzmaster. Mazel Tov. <laughs> They're actually really cool and really handsome. Who's J. Mascus? He's the dude from Dinosaur Jr. Who is Dinosaur you know, Jr.? Dread, Dread Look it up on your... I'm on, sorry. On the yeah, bottom. <laughs> You're unwilling. He's actually quite awesome. Um, and he squeals. Man, that dude was louder and blazes in... 1984 or whatever. Now, okay, he's got a J. Mascus Squire. They're purple, and then they're all the, also, I think, a beautiful um, kind of a putty color with that gold anodized pit guard. They're mm. really cool and relatively affordable. Now, I've only listened to about 10 episodes so far, so he's an expert, but they were enough to let me know how you feel about <laughs> Jazz Masters. Well, one might have done it. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the right one. Yeah. Look, yeah. they're still cool, and I want you to enjoy yours. They're okay? totally cool, and I know yeah. you made one one time. Yep. That was a good one. Still, I've always wanted one, and I found one at a great price because it had a lot of the upgrades done to it already. Well, that's good. I couldn't pass it up. The only issue so far that I've been able to find is that there's a bit of relief in the neck. It's not bad. But the problem is that the truss nut doesn't want to tighten anymore. Hmm. No problem turning it counterclockwise, but it's tight as it's going to get clockwise. Hmm. I could live with a little relief in the neck, but I would rather be able to make that choice myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you know of any way to get more turns out of the truss rod? I've heard a possible solution would be to pull the nut off and put a few washers over the rod to get a bit more thread back on the nut. Have you heard of this done or the procedure yourself? Done the procedure yourself? Is it a difficult process to back the nut out? One of my concerns is the plastic plug over the nut. So this is a headstock adjust. I'm guessing it's a squire. Okay, so it must. That's be a, a reasonable a headstock adjust. Yeah, you don't thing. take the whole thing off. So they yeah. got a bullet or something hanging. Yeah, so out you the top. can't you can't back that off Dang if it's it. one of those kind. Because there's nothing out the other end. You can't see anything. It's just fixed. Well, it depends on what kind of truss rod it has, but the headstock adjust fender style truss rod, you can't just back the nut out Mm. all the way and put washers on there. But that's not going to help you anyway. Anyway, go ahead and finish this question. All right. We'll finish anyway. Uh, I'm not opposed to purchasing a new neck because I got this for such a relatively cheap price that investing a little more is still an option, but I plan to upgrade the pickups and electronics as well so I can salvage. So if I can salvage the truss rod, that would be ideal. Any advice you could offer would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for any help you can offer, and keep up the great work, Phil, in Detroit. Cool. Thanks, Phil. Here's what I would do with that guitar neck. You want to back off. You want to take off the strings. 
you want to back off the truss rod nut, and then you look inside there, shine a light in there, um, and oftentimes that truss rod nut will have a little hole in the center, and uh, you can actually put just a drop of oil in there, and that'll help oil the threads. So do that. Then what you're going to want to do with the neck off the guitar, strings off the guitar, neck off the guitar, truss rod backed off, you know, quite a bit, you'll want to clamp that neck uh, either to, like, you could clamp it to a table or you could clamp it to a big, like I have these big steel hollow beams that I use. Box beam thingies. Yeah, that I use to sand um, frets, like do a fret level. But you want to clamp it with some shims at either end of the fretboard. So you're going to you're gonna put a shim under the end of the neck, and then you're going to put a shim under, like, the first or so fret, and then clamp it in the middle. So you're forcing some... It. Yeah, you're forcing some back bow. I see. Then, with it clamped with some back bow, then you'll tighten up the truss rod to that. Because the truss rod doesn't have the muscle to make it do that, but if you force it there and then tighten up the nut, oftentimes that's enough yeah. to make it behave, especially if you oil the threads first. So that's the first thing I would try. If that doesn't work, then that neck that neck can be heat-pressed and straightened out that way. So that's the second thing I would try. Um... The third thing, you know, you hit it on it yourself. If you if you got into this guitar so cheap, it wouldn't be a bad idea to upgrade the neck anyway. Mm-hmm. But those are the first two things I would try. Clamp it with some forcing some back bow into it and then tighten up the truss rod to that and see if it holds. Uh, and barring that, if that doesn't work, then... The heated neck press. Yeah, heated neck press. And that's something I can do or like a, you know, if you've got a good luthier somewhere, wherever you are, Phil, what did he say? Detroit. Detroit. There's got to be somebody in Detroit with a neck heating iron. With industrial, yeah, neck heating iron and industrial skills and free yeah. time. So that's that's the, uh, that's my tips, Phil. Hope, hope it helps you. Well, the first step is pretty reasonable. He'll be able to give that a shot. Absolutely. Well, good. Did I explain it properly? Yes. Did you, did you understand? Oh, I, I visualized it perfectly. I was thinking, man, this is probably going to work. Yep. That's great. Okay, let's try another. That's something I do a lot with basses because their basses are so long and they're under so much tension that a, a lot of times what you have to do, and especially, I do this with Rickenbackers too because their truss rods are pretty ineffective. Hmm. You clamp the neck where you want it, and then tighten the truss rod up to that. Up to snug tight, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So you got function. Oh, that's good. And that's reasonable, and anybody can try that. And you got nothing to lose. Well, let's try this one. Hi, Eric. What maintenance skills and tools should any basic guitar player have in their home music workspace? Do you have a brand of acoustic that you have found is easiest to work on? We're changing gears with each of these questions. This mm. is, these are not necessarily follow-ups. This is kind of bullet points. I get it. Yeah. Working through old episodes now, so I'm sure this has been covered, but maybe you've got some updates to older thoughts? That's a question. So what? far, this has been so fun to listen to and what I needed in my life at the moment. Thanks. You hear that? 
Thank you, he says. Patrick in Bloomington, Indiana. What I needed in my life at the moment. Hey. Well, that's refreshing, Patrick, yeah, because good. the way I feel about the podcast is that the, Carp- the Carpathia <laughs> is going to pull up any moment and throw <laughs> us some life rings. I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, I don't know how many episodes I'm going to do, but we're definitely on the back nine here. Well, we brought in Cousin Oliver. Yeah. So there's there's some writing on the wall there. but um, And I... Asked you if you knew how many canceled free subscriptions we'd had lately, and you're not aware of that metric, but we're <laughs> well, a little no, bit worried. I do, I do see how many people listen, and the numbers are f- fine. A lot of people listen to the show, and it's great, and I get a lot of business from it. Um, I just don't know at what point it has run its course, like if we keep talking about the same things— or, yeah. you know, maybe I'll take it to a monthly podcast after the first of the year. I don't know. Yeah, there's still a lot to learn, but if... There's still things to talk about, and, and I should be getting more into interviews. Uh, the thing about doing this podcast question and answer style is we can... I can decide to do it five minutes beforehand, and we just do it. Yeah. With an interview, I have to schedule something with somebody, and then my my fly-by-night internet service that that might or might not work to to do an interview over the internet. Um, You have to just cross your fingers and hope it doesn't cut out. And then, you know, it's just doing interviews is is way harder. Much more involved. And one interesting thing is Eric doesn't scan these things and come up with answers. He's winging this on the fly. (laughs) And and Nat knows. I, He's seen how the sausage so Nat, is made. This is how the sausage is made. Now, that's a, and I mean that as a compliment that you're not prepping this. This isn't like reality TV. This is. It's not like, scripted. I, no. I print the, I do print these questions out and very briefly look at them, but. Uh, now, this is why I stumble over the worst not, when, I, yeah. when I read it, them because. It really is. is. We're, there's, uh, if, if you think we're polished, you've, well, anyway. Uh, there were some guitar questions in there. <laughs> I guess so. But I but I thought that was a great little update that you just did to let people know the, some of your thoughts. The Carpathia is yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> We've sent up the rockets. And, uh, yeah. What maintenance skills and tools should any basic guitar player have in their home music workspace? Uh, again, I would refer you to the Guitar Player Repair Guide. I yeah. think that there's yes. a great section in that book on this very subject here's the basic skills and tools you should yes. have uh just shooting from the hip i would say a decent um socket set some decent screwdrivers uh an adjustable crescent wrench one of the small ones right so no fret files no uh if you're just a player i don't think you're going to be cutting your own nuts and doing your own fret levels that is a good call i think right? yep but if you want to you know, raise and lower your pickups. I mean, you should probably already have the basic tools that I'm talking about. Right. You know, maybe in just uh, your average guy, Allen wrench set or yeah, something oh, with small sizes. Certainly. That's a good point. Allen wrench set. Um, fingerboard conditioner, like guitar honey or some lemon oil or something like that to condition string your fingerboard thing. Yeah, with the little, winder. uh, bridge pin puller. Or... They have, uh, I know that, Different, you know, companies, probably Stumac and Philadelphia Luthier Supply, which is quickly becoming my favorite. Philadelphia Luthier Supply, they're not an advertiser, but they should be. They're so great. I'll I'll buy something, 
like at 10 p.m. online, and I get an email from them at like 7 a.m. the next day saying, your item is shipped, you know. Man. And some other companies, they'll take days to fill the order, and then they don't even, like, you don't even get notified, and you don't, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody in particular. But you're, but Philadelphia, you're those poor other people. But Philadelphia, Philadelphia Luthier Supply is on it. Awesome. Like, I get pickup parts from them. I get, you know, all kinds of different things. From, check out their website, Philadelphia Luthier Supply. Anyhow, uh, th- we touched on that. He says, yep. do you have a brand of acoustic you found as easiest to work on? That's a misleading question because it depends on what the problem is. Yeah. It's really more about the problem the guitar has rather than the brand of the guitar. Yeah. That being said, the the guitar brand that came to mind, even though this is a trick question, the brand that came to mind is Taylor. Taylors are pretty easy to work on. Now, do they have metal They've bolt-on necks? Bolt-on necks. Yeah. Yeah, and the wow. truss rod is world. the truss rod is adjustable at the headstock, so it's really easily accessible. Where a lot of um, acoustic guitars, where the where the truss rod is accessed through the sound hole, sometimes it's just right there, and sometimes it's four inches back, and you got to mm. go around a brace to get it, and you yeah. can't. I mean, it's hard to do. So tailors are pretty easy. Uh, I've found good answer. Yeah, he also says. He wonders if I've got some updates to older thoughts. Uh, I wonder if that was on I don't know. acoustics or something. Yeah, okay. Rather non-specific, Patrick, but we appreciate you. Thanks, Patrick. We okay. got one more. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello. I'm curious if you... That's how it starts out. That wasn't just me being regular goofy. Hello. I'm curious if you have any idea what was driving Fender and Gibson to use a more narrow nut width in the later 60s and 70s. I can't seem to find much on the subject except people complaining about it. (laughs) It's interesting. This is the nature of the internet, maybe. And was hoping you could shed some light on what inspired this trend. All the best, and thanks for all the great info and and advice every other week. Chris in Pawpaw, Michigan. A lot of kind of Rust Belt fellers and enthusiastic about the podcast, and this guy likes the uh, interval every other week, so I maybe we spoke too soon on the mm. on the throttling back. Uh, any insight on what was going on with the skinny necks? My only thought, because I don't know, and that's a good question, you know, and you're certainly correct, they, they did uh, start making kind of skinnier and more narrow nut width necks. Yeah. My thought is, um, as the music changed, we had guys like, uh, you know, you've got like 10 years after and, and, uh, Eric Clapton and Led Zeppelin and these guys playing fast. Oh yeah. You're on something fast guitar playing where where up until then, you know, about the fastest you got was Chuck Berry playing yep. some double stops. Yeah, and right? so now you've got individual notes just flying. But you go listen to, um, for example, like the guitar solo. I wonder if I could find it here. Okay, I found it. So if you listen to, like, Alvin Lee's guitar work in 10 years Alvin after. Lee. 10 years after. This is, really? uh, yeah, this is a song I'd call, I'd love to change the world. And he does this rip and solo. Then they kind of break it down and get slower. And, uh, he just starts shredding. Yeah. Playing a million notes a minute. 
I mean, you can't do that on a K. That'd be pretty on big, hard on, on that a big fat thin twin boat neck. Yeah, that the neck on that thin twin is not thin at all. It's huge. Yeah, you'd cramp up. So that's my guess that guitar solos became uh, spastic. What am, what's the word I'm trying to? Th- well, I was th- hoping you'd just say prominent gym, gymnastic. <laughs> there you go. They got acrobatic and stratospheric. Uh, in order to like you know they're they're picturing guitar players shopping in stores going well this one has a really fast neck fast neck yeah it's like I can shoes play, I buy when I can I play that uh, that solo from 10 years after I go, think you wiggly, 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 yeah. wiggly, 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 wiggly. I think that is some great insight I thought maybe you wouldn't know what was going on in the 60s and 70s but you knew well and I don't know if that's I think that's a great guess that's just my guess and that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. That's the show, and I am out of here. Thank you, everyone. Oh, by the way, <laughs> if you want to participate in the show, you can go to uh, my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link, and uh, and uh, you can submit your question or comment there. Um, the other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. We'll use your question as part of the show. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you.